This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and Happy New Year. Welcome to Simply Real Estate. I am your host, Todd C. Slater. Wow, I have not talked to you since last year, 2015. Amazing how a year goes by. So here we are, we're a brand new year, and there's so much to talk about today. So I want you to stay tuned because what we're going to do is we're going to talk a lot about the market, how we were affected last year by 2015, what 2016 is going to look like. I've got a great checklist if you're a buyer, something that's going to be very important if you want to make sure that you're going in strong with your offer. And later I'm going to have George Duby come back. He's from BDO. He is an accountant. He had joined us uh, back a few months ago. He's going to join us as a guest today. Awfully decent of him to join us the first of the year. Can't believe it. Here we are. It's 2016, what's it going to look like? Oh boy, there's so much to talk about. 2015 was so amazing. So we've got a great show planned. So stay tuned for all of it. There's lots to talk about today. But why don't we talk about yesteryear? So what happened in 2015? Well, our good Canadian governor, Mr. Stephen Pelosi, he came on and he told us what Canada looked like for 2015. You know, it was kind of funny. What do you think the highlight was? If you're guessing and you're listening to Simply Real Estate, you'd think that I was going to tell you real estate. And you would be right. Real estate was the highlight of Canada and the Canadian markets. The one thing that was the shining light in the economic year of the world was Canada's real estate. But the rest of it, wow, did we ever take a beating. In fact, oil prices is plummeting the way they have. And, you know, it's definitely, you don't see it at the pump. You know, we're sitting there and there, you know, oil's, you know, $35 a barrel, but yet, you know, we're still sitting in around a dollar a liter. So what is with that? It's not being passed on to us as a consumer. So, of course, we know that the oil companies are taking a big hit, so they're not giving us any break. So, oil is down. And, of course, a few other things that really started taking a beating was the stock market. You know, TSX did not have a great year. And, more importantly, our dollar. You know, it's crazy. Here I am, I'm trying to book a vacation down to the U.S., and the Canadian dollar is in such a bad state that it almost feels like I'm paying double. It's that bad. So here we are, our Canadian dollar's down, our oil prices are down, the stock market you know, was not a good year in 2015. So what was great about 2015? You know what? We had a green Christmas. So, you know, Bing Crosby singing, you know, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas just didn't work, even though I played it time and time again. And so we've got a brand new year. What was great about 2015? Well, first and foremost, you know, Toronto, record number of sales in excess of 100,000 units. That's right, folks. It was the biggest number the Toronto Real Estate Board has ever seen. But we also were looking at prices. And here's the thing. The market overall in Toronto was up 10%. So if you owned something at the beginning of 2015 and you paid a million dollars for it, you're pretty sure that it was worth $1.1 million at the end of 2015. That's an incredible investment, especially if 
you are a homeowner and it was your principal residence. Because if you remember, there's no capital gains tax on that. Now, of course, let's take a look out west. What was happening out there? We've got a mixed market, of course, Vancouver up 17%. Now that's huge. And I know that we talked a lot in 2015 about foreign buyers, but the truth is it's just a lack of inventory in the Vancouver area, but 17%. So that same house you paid a million dollars, which is almost impossible in Vancouver nowadays, would have been worth almost 1.2 million. So that's a pretty huge jump when we want to look at it. If we're looking at these numbers, the real estate market really did well. But there was a downturn market, and of course, Calgary. Calgary suffered a 2% loss. And Calgary hasn't been off in years. And the main reason, of course, is the oil. When we see oil reduction, you know, we don't see the production. The dollar value has gone way down out of oil. All of a sudden, the Calgary market is starting to fall apart. Now, is it going to slide a lot in 2016? Well, I'm going to talk more about the market shortly, but let's continue to talk about 2015. If you're just tuning in, I'm Todd C. Slater. We're talking about the market in 2015 here on Simply Real Estate only on News Talk 1010. And by the way, remember, you can tune in every Saturday at 4 p.m. for 2016 to listen to the show. I'm really happy to be part of it for this year. And you know what? It's going to be a great year for us to talk about real estate because the market is going to be different than 2015. 2015 is a record setter for sure in real estate. Yes, we know the economy in Canada has taken a beating, but real estate stayed strong, except for the Calgary market, as we were just saying, 2% reduction. Overall, real estate in Canada had a 7% increase on an average from coast to coast. Now, that's pretty incredible considering there are outer markets that probably did not do as well. So a 7% increase. You know, if we could do that every single year as we have, you know, real estate would continue to be an incredible investment. But we have to look at 2016. Here we are, firmly planted in 2016. We're in the second day of January, and we're saying, what does 2016 hold for us? Well, the one thing I'm going to tell you is that we're going to have to keep our eye on the condo market in Toronto. Because of the sheer volume of development, we're going to start seeing, I think, a little bit of an easing in rental rates, a little bit of easing in price increases. So, are we going to see a condominium crash? Not likely. But what we will see is we're going to see it completely go flat on us pretty much by year end. If we see between a 2 to 4% increase in condominium prices, I think those people should count their lucky stars. If at this time next year, on January 2nd, 3rd, or 4th, whatever this show is going to air, and I'm sitting here saying, welcome to 2017, if the condominium market has had a 2 or 3 uh, percent increase, you should consider yourselves lucky. I think because of the market and the sheer volume of condominiums, I think we're at a flat market. We have to keep our eyes on it and I'll keep you updated throughout the year. So you're going to want to tune in every single week because I will continue with market updates. But of course, when we take a look at the split part of the market, because for all of 2015, I kept telling everyone, this is a split real estate market. We've got a market that is turning around and it has split itself. Condominium on one side, detached on the other. The detached market, I think, is going to continue on, not at the same toward pace of 10 or 12%, but I think what we will see is we'll probably see about a 5 or 6% increase 
little bit of a jump in the spring because right now we're feeling a little bit of upward pressure on the mortgage rates. I think that that will eventually subside a little come around March through to May, somewhere in that time period when the real estate market starts to heat up a little. I think a couple of the banks are going to fall off their their perch and say, hey, listen, you know what? We got a discount. We need to take advantage of the spring market. We might see a little bit of a reduction. Could be about, you know, 10, 20, maybe 30 basis points. But I mean, we've at least going to have that much of an increase only to come back down to kind of neutral. Neutral to me right now is going to be anything between about 2.7 and 3% interest rate for a five-year fixed mortgage. If you're in that area, you're doing great and there's no reason why you should not be buying. Now, again, you know, come February, we've got that introduction of the increase of your down payment with the CMHC guidelines now, anything over $500,000 to a million dollars, you're going to have to put 10% down as opposed to 5%. So that might pose a little bit of a hiccup for a few of you. For those of you that are out there buying your first home or you're using a high ratio mortgage to buy a home, if you're up in that kind of price range, a little bit of a hiccup because you need a little bit more money down. Keep that in mind. Every $100,000, you're going to need another $5,000 down. Now, I think the 905 really skirted a huge issue that was introduced back in November, the potential of a double land transfer tax. You know, unlike Toronto, which has had it now for a few years, it did upset the market for a little while. You know, the 905 was able to skirt that one, fortunately, because that, I think, would have taken the wind out of the sails a little bit more. Double land transfer tax never, ever helps buyers. And of course, sellers do not have that reflected upon themselves. So, Again, looking at a lot of this stuff, I think that we're going to have an interesting market. I don't think we're going to be bragging that we've had record dollar values, but I think we're going to see quite a few sales continue. Interest rates are going to continue to drive that. There's still lots of demand. Heck, folks, if you're in an area of some of these old mature homes, you've got a great lot, maybe an older house, maybe your parents have been living there for a long time, I guarantee you there's still lots of buyers out there looking for that property. They didn't find it in 2015 because you know what there just wasn't enough of them out there for people to buy so when we take a look at it 2016 i think it's going to be a good year i think it's going to be a solid year i think i'm going to try my best to make sure that you know what's going on in 2016 we've got a lot of stuff that we're going to be planning for this year you know more and more guests of course we're going to talk you know all the professionals that we can get on the show that are going to help you through and guide you through the process of buying or selling a home You know, later in the hour, I'm going to talk about a list for buyers. I think it's really important that you know how to buy a a house properly. I'm going to give you the list of a checklist that you need to use. Definitely about using your financing, you know, selecting a home inspector, also selecting a lawyer. And of course, we want to talk more about real estate. So then we're going to also open up the lines throughout the year. You know, I always, I always segment that we have, you know, every once in a while we have a live show where I just do a free for all and everybody can talk about it. Or if there's a hot topic in it, then you know what? You're going to hear me open up the, the show throughout different times of the year. I don't do it every week because I think that I just don't want it to be a direct call-in show on everything. You know, let's get a little pent-up demand. Let's figure out what you all want to talk about. And then we'll, you know, open up the floodgates. I like doing that once in a while. And then every once in a while, I like getting some guests on. Speaking of guests, I'm going to have George Doobie join me. He's from BDO. He's an accountant. Great time to figure out your taxes at the beginning of the year, not at the last second. 
So folks, this is our first show of 2016. I hope you had a great 2015. Real estate certainly did. So stay with us. We've got more coming up right after this. And I'm going to tell you about a list that you need to have in your pocket when you're a buyer. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back to Simply Real Estate. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. And here we are. It's the new year, 2016. We're living and breathing it. What's going to happen in real estate? Well, if you want to be a buyer this year, get your pen or your computer, iPad, or you can stream me later and you can write down this list. I want to talk to you about a few things that you need in your pocket to know how to buy a property this year. Let's start off with financing. It doesn't necessarily mean that you've got financing lined up when you get a pre-approval, but I'm going to encourage you to go to a lender. First and foremost, if you're banking with a company right now, they're normally the first line of attack. People go to the current person they have their bank accounts with, perhaps their visa cards. Maybe you've got a mortgage right now. So that's your that's your natural way of doing things. You go there. But you know what? The banks are getting competitive. So I'm going to encourage you to at least go to one extra lender. So first and foremost, let's line up the players in the industry. Know who you've got a good rapport with, know the banks that are out there, and pick two or three of them. You're going to go interview them. And when you go to see them, you don't want to turn around and divulge everything. You simply walk up and say, listen, you know what? I'm thinking of buying a property. I want to get a pre-approval. Who do I speak with? You're normally not going to do it with a teller. If you're going to be doing a pre-approval, you're going to want to talk to one of their mortgage specialists. All the good lenders have them. They normally focus strictly on mortgages. They will be able to set up credit lines, home lines, HELOCs is what they call them. And you're going to want to talk to them about this. Now, one of the things you want to talk about, first of all, is, of course, interest rate. Everybody comes in gunning for interest rate. You know, I wouldn't do that yet. I would find out what they are prepared to do with you before you talk interest rate. In other words, hey, listen, we're happy to do a pre-approval. What are you thinking of doing? Let's get some facts and figures. Don't talk interest rate out of the gate because as soon as you do that, you're now limiting yourself. The time you talk interest rate is when you have an agreement of purchase and sale in your hand where they know they've got a viable business from you. You just don't come screaming in there saying, what's your interest rate? Because they can't take you seriously. They think you're shopping them. So go have a conversation saying, listen, we're thinking of buying something else. We're thinking of buying our first property. We're thinking of moving up, thinking of buying an investment property. You know, have a conversation. This is what we intend to do. Now, the other thing you need to do is have a list of your assets. Know what you own. Know what you owe. Keep in mind that once they start pulling out credit reports, they're going to know exactly what you owe. But you don't want to go down that road yet. You don't want a credit report pulled during your pre-approval, okay? Because you don't even know if you're going with this lender yet. So get your pre-approval lined up. Find out what they're going to use as far as a rate. Now, you can hint at rate. You can turn around and say, hey, listen, you know, approximately what rate are we looking at? And they, you're not grinding them yet. You're not negotiating yet. We're just talking about roughly what they would give you as walking off the street. They turn around, they say 2.8%. Okay, you know what? You'll worry about that in a little while. Not yet. So get a pre-approval in your hand, knowing where you stand. Now, 
Here's the other thing. Where is your down payment coming from for your house, for your property that you're going to buy? Where do you have it hidden? Is it sitting in an RSP? Is it sitting in an investment? Is it sitting in another account? Is your is a family member giving it to you? You know, a lot of times parents will gift, you know, to a first-time home buyer a little bit of money. You need to have this lined up. I'll tell you why. In the future, when you're ready to actually buy and you need your deposit. Now, remember, a deposit comes with an offer. So we need money to be able to put down with our offer to tell people we're serious about buying your home. Depending on your price range, that can range anywhere from five dollars to $50,000. So first and foremost, make sure you have your cash available, knowing that it's got to come out and be given to an agent that's going to be held in a brokerage in trust with an offer. So we need a little bit of cash free and free and clear. Maybe you have all your equity tied up in your current property and you're and you're upsizing. So if we're upsizing, that means that maybe you're going to need a credit credit um, line on your property to be able to pull out the the deposit slash down payment. Now, when we talk about the down payment. The bank's going to want to know where it's coming from. Now, you could turn around and say it's coming from the equity in your property. You could tell them that you're collapsing an RSP for it, or you're borrowing from your RSP, or you're collapsing a stock, but you're going to need it. They're going to know where it comes from. You can't just randomly say, well, I'm going to win it in the lottery, or I just happen to have it under my mattress. They need to have physical proof that it exists. These are the things that they're looking for so they can create your file. When you create a mortgage file, this means that we're gunning for something that's going to be firm and binding in the future. So we start off with our pre-approval. We line up the fact that we're going to need a deposit and eventually a down payment on the property. We know where that's coming from. They need to know your source of income. Make sure that you have your either your T4 slip from your employer or your NOA if you're self-employed. Now, again, The banks will normally work with self-employed people, but I also recommend a broker for self-employed people because sometimes they have to build a bigger case. They're able to have a little bit more flexibility. Keep this in mind if you're self-employed. Remember, we're starting off out of the gate, being prepared to buy something we want. And if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Simply Real Estate. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. I'm talking about getting ready for 2016 as being a buyer, buyer for a new property, moving up, first-time home buyer, or for that matter, buying an investment property. We're making a checklist here as a buyer. What should you do when you go to the lender? First and foremost, get your pre-approval done. Don't get your credit rating pulled yet. When you want your credit pulled is when you should have a firm and binding deal. In other words, this is when you have an agreement of purchase and sale, that piece of paper that's saying, I've bought a property, if it's conditional or firm. And again, I try to advise people, try to have a conditions in, unless you're in multiple offers, then you have to make the decision. Will the bank give you financing? You need firm financing. So make sure you don't over leverage yourself. Now, we want to make sure that we've got the ability to have a deposit handy. Again, figure out where you're sourcing that from and know where your down payment's coming from for the property. So if we're putting down 20%, 10%, 5%, whatever you're putting down, know where that money is coming from. Make sure you start the process of getting it out. Nothing worse than buying a property or trying to buy a property when they turn around and say, well, we can't release the funds to you for 60 days because it's the way the business is done. So if you're in a stock or something or a fund or a GIC, it's not matured yet, wherever you've got your money, figure out the timing because that is when you will have to close Once you've got the money, the down payment, this is when you can close. So when we talk about financing, it's not just one tier where the bank said they'll give me the money, I'm all set. Remember, in an offer, down payment, deposits, everything that you require, you have to lead up 
Now, don't forget you've got land transfer tax to pay. So you've got to now calculate that out and keep that in your cost of closing, as well as the lawyer's fees. We'll talk about lawyers in a minute. But most importantly, you have to make sure you have everything outlined. $400,000 property, know exactly what your land transfer tax is, know what your lawyer's going to charge you, and know how much of a down payment you're putting. Keep in mind where that money's coming from, okay? You're going to have to line it up. This is so important that you do all of this before you go out and buy something so there's not a mad rush and you get yourself in a tough situation. Remember, negotiation of interest rates happen when you've got a viable piece of paper in your hand saying, I have bought a property. For us, this is so important. Now is the time that you have the ability to negotiate. This is where you've gone to a lender that you've decided on. So that's why I said, you know, Pick a few, interview the lenders, make a decision who you want to go with. And once you've done that, now you know where to go. So stay with us. When we come back, I will talk more about the list of a buyer. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. So before the break, I was talking about a list for buyers. And one of the things that we always talk about is financing, of course. Financing is so important to people, making sure that they get it lined up. But before you start, you know, negotiating interest, you got to make sure you've tied up a property because this is where you've got your greatest leverage. So now you take the actual offer to the actual bank and say, listen, I have now bought this property. I want my financing. And this is where you've got the power to negotiate your interest rate. When they come up with your basic market interest rate and they turn around and say, hey, listen, 2.8, to say, great, you know what? I'm going to go talk to the other lender that I was speaking with earlier. And, you know, I think they offered me a little bit better. So maybe I'm going to go with them. Yeah. Yes, you have to negotiate. That's the proper way of doing it. Make sure you get your best deal. 2.8 also could become 2.7. Now, again, don't think that coming in and if everybody's getting 2.8, you're going to get 2.4 or 2.3. There's only so much flexibility. But again, there's other things that we have to determine, not just interest rate. When you look at a mortgage product, there's all sorts of stuff you have to understand. Prepayment privileges. For those of you that want to get rid of a mortgage quicker, sometimes you can make extra payments. But the only way that can be done is if you turn around and have it negotiated in the terms of your mortgage. So the term of the mortgage dictates, will say, yeah, you can make a double up payment once a year, twice a year, every month. Here's the conditions. This is how much. Know what you can do with this mortgage because the mortgage is something you're going to be stuck with for the next five years if you take a five-year term. Now, when you fix an interest rate, that means you're setting that interest rate for that same term. So if you want a five-year fixed, if they say it's 2.8%, that means for the next five years, you know every single month or bi-weekly, whatever you work out as your payment plan, you'll know how much you're paying every single month. For those of you that will look at a variable rate, you can actually get a five-year variable rate, which means that they're going to discount it from a certain amount. And if prime moves, then your interest rate will go up, but you've been locked in for five years on that. Now, there are people that will go to open variable. Now, again, this is a mortgage term and open variable means that pretty much you can get out of that mortgage at any time and it's going to be on the variable rate mortgage, which means it's going to be a discount off of prime to a certain point. Now, it's strictly up to you. 
When I talk to people about investment properties, I normally will tell them to fix a rate because then they can forget about it. But if you're one of those people that don't mind, you know, checking, keeping your eye on things and get ready to jump in if the rates do go up, then a variable rate has always historically been a better way to go. So again, we're talking about right now a list for buyers. Your pre-approval in a mortgage is, is just a starting point. Knowing everything about the mortgage product is so important. Remember, if you're going for a, a fixed time, a fixed rate, then you've got the next five years that you have to follow the conditions of this mortgage. You know, one of the big news items for 2015 that we found was the fact that we watch multiple offers, you know, spur everywhere, all over the place. We turn around and we watch multiple offers jump up. People were buying firm. They were going without inspections, going without finance conditions. And there are those people that suffered because of it. You know, they bought something that was probably in worse shape than they thought, or perhaps they were then pushed on their financing and they had to come up with more money because they didn't know their qualifications. But back to the condition of it. One of the things I don't know if we're going to have is a lot of multiple offers in 2016. I still believe that there, that is a very site-specific model. In other words, some of the downtown core of Toronto, you know, some of the areas that people really want to live in that properties don't come up very often, I think we're going to see years of multiple offers there. It just is what it is. It's called lack of supply, supply and demand. More demand, less supply. We're going to have multiple offers. It's just going to be the way. So 2016, I still think we're going to see multiple offers. But that doesn't mean that you can't have a home inspection done prior to the offer date. Now, a lot of the realtors out there, and I would have to say a lot of the professional realtors out there, because there is a difference. The professional realtors will turn around and say, we are going to allow showings for five days before the seller will respond to the offers. So basically what they're saying is there's a timeline for the offer date. So if it's one week from now, you have the ability to go take a look at the property. But what you want to do is if you're set on this property, then spend the money and get the home inspection done previous, prior sorry, to the actual offer. Do not go into an older property unless you plan on knocking it down or completely gutting it. So you, you go in saying, listen, I don't care what condition the furnace is in. I don't care if it has aluminum wiring. I don't care what condition the pipes are in. I'm going to be gutting it or I'm knocking it down. Then you don't have to worry about any of this conversation right now. You can actually sit there and go get yourself a tea and come on back because I'll talk more about some other things that's going to be important to you. But when we have the concern that you're going to be moving into this and living in this property with your family, then we need to make sure that it's in decent condition. Get a home inspection. Now, don't just pick any home inspector. Pick a professional, somebody that's been in the business for a long time, has some kind of accreditation to their name, not just, hey, listen, I got a fancy clipboard. Okay, make sure that they could be perhaps an engineer, they have experience. And you know what? Ask them how many home inspections they've done. If they're in the thousands, you know that they're a good home inspector. If they've said, I've done 10, be concerned if they don't have the right accreditation. Now, I'm not trying to discount people that are brand new coming into it. You know, I believe people do deserve a chance. But at the same time, do you want them to learn off your back? No, I don't want you to. So make sure you go with somebody that's been in the business a long time, 
has lots of experience, has, you know, a great network of people that they've used and will refer them. And you know what? You're going to have to pay the buck for them. Okay, don't kid yourself. A good home inspection should cost you $500. People that come in and say, yeah, I can do a home inspection for, you know, $195. Are they going to wash your car at the same time? Because that's about the level that you're going to get for $195. And I've heard it. People are trying to undercut people just to get a little bit of business and some money in their pocket. Get a good professional home inspector. Make sure you do it. Do it before your offer. And of course, if you're fortunate enough to have your offer conditional on home inspection because you're not in a multiple offer situation, then utilize a good home inspector. This is very important for our list, folks. Make sure you follow this list because I want everybody to be protected for 2016 when buying a property. Now, last and not least, of course, are lawyers. No, it, no, it's not a four-letter word and it's not a bad word, but lawyers can either help or hinder your offer. Now, again, I'm not slighting the, you know, the, the, the whole law profession. There are some lawyers out there that are very experienced in real estate, and those are the people that I'm going to recommend. You know, if you've got your, your family lawyer who's done your will, they do corporate, corporate you know, um, filings, different things. Are they the best people to represent you in real estate? And if you're buying an investment property out of town, are they the best people to utilize if they're not used to, you know, some of the some of the smaller towns and some of the registers uh, registry offices in the smaller towns? So we need to focus on getting a good lawyer. And there's nothing wrong with interviewing a lawyer. And despite the fact, you know, some of them, you know, believe that their their dollar value per hour, you know, why should you interview them? Well, I'm sorry. Let's find out a little bit of the resume. Talk to one of their assistants. Say how many how many deals do you do a year? I can tell you in real estate. When you are talking to a good real estate law firm, they're dealing thousands of closings a year, okay? They could be anywhere from, give or take, 500 to 4,000, depending on the size of the firm, but they do a lot of real estate. When somebody turns around and says, yeah, I do a couple closings a year as far as real estate, that's, they're not the most experienced. Again, it's like hiring a realtor. Do you want to hire a realtor that does two or three deals or 100 deals? Well, you know my take on it. Always go with a professional. And in in dealing with a lawyer, go with a professional. The guy that's going to be doing it every single day, the people that know the rules and regulations, know how to manipulate and look at the deal properly and take care of you. That's what you're paying for and you want to make sure you get what you paid for. So I hope this list helps. And of course, you know, when, when I do open up the phone lines, make sure you call if you have any questions. So when we come back, I'm going to be joined, uh, sorry, joined by George Dubay. He is a uh, professional accountant. Um, he is from BDO. He's joined us before on the show. And stay with us. We're going to be talking about what you should be planning for 2016 for the accounting of your real estate. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. You know, it's been an interesting year so far. It's the second day. We've had a lot to talk about with 2015. And joining me now is George Dewey. Uh, he's an accountant with BDO. George, welcome to the show. 
Thank you. Pleasure to be here. George, you were a guest with us um, a few months ago, and it was great having you on. And I thought we should bring you back in because, you know, when you start a new year, I always think, you know, a lot of people have to kind of get a lot of their ducks in a row. And accounting is one of the foremost things. You know, there's always a deadline for people to do filings. And, you know, do you have some advice for people for 2016? What should we be looking at, you know, making sure that we've got everything lined up properly? I, I certainly there's a handful of items that uh, can be looked at, but maybe I'll kind of, if I can, just back up in the sense of uh, perhaps we haven't uh, completed the New Year's resolutions. We're a little bit tardy on those, and there's still some room for a couple of additions to that, if you will. And if so, I would encourage people to consider putting in place a, a plan, if you will, um, for where they want this year to go. There's not a, necessarily a whole lot we're going to be able to do about 2015, but uh, 2016, uh, there's lots of time to uh, have the opportunity to reconsider what we should be doing and, and whether that's looking at a, a structure with our investments or the nature of the investments, things of that nature. Um, that'll get us really kick-started, I would suggest, with respect to the year. And a close second to that, if I can, would be in terms of a, a resolution to really get organized. And I appreciate that perhaps it's somewhat similar to um, uh, the more famous resolutions of I'm going to exercise more, or I'm going to uh, have some more self-improvement time, or whatever it may be, uh, and maybe I want to lose a little bit of weight. but. Getting organized is one of the primary uh, magnets, if you will, for tax savings, in that if we're not organized and not sure where we're going, uh, where money's coming from, going to, it's really hard to get into some of the tax savings um, or to be able to justify, for example, to Revenue Canada, hey, I've got a variety of tax deductions, I just don't have any receipts because I lost those during the year. As I'm sure you can appreciate, the audit doesn't go quite as swimmingly in that type of context. <laughs> sure. I mean, you know, a lot of times people, um, I believe, George, always have the big shoebox, you know, and, you know, as, as an accountant, I'm pretty sure you've seen, you know, numerous, you know, shoeboxes come your way and then you have to decipher it. But, you know, I think that if people start creating their files at the beginning of a year for that year, that they're going to do okay. But if we back it up, 2015, if you are not a, let's say, self-employed or you don't have a certain year end, when is the tax date for people to file their taxes for 2015? So for 2015, we want to have those personal tax returns completed uh, by April 30th. And I, I would suggest while that's technically the deadline, the payments may have actually been due through the year if you had, for example, a, a variety of investment income that triggered some extra taxes through the year. So I guess I guess what happens, your month of April, I mean, you know, your wife may as well say she's not going to see you because everybody's last minute. But is it, is it okay for people to start getting their taxes and start, you know, doing the filing now? So in, instead of waiting till April 30th, you know, can somebody turn around and, and do their tax filing for 2015 in January, in February? Like, can, can you be that far advanced on it? In theory, certainly you could be. In practice, however, a lot of the software that is designed for uh, completing the tax returns, that's going to be the the beta version or so. And so we find in practice a lot of the um, 
kinks, if you will, or little bugs haven't necessarily been worked out. So we try not to file very many of the returns until late February, early March. Okay. So if, let's say, people are going to get some form of tax refund because, let's say, they had extra expenses throughout the year on, call it an investment property, you know, there's there's some kind of form of refund. Are they able to file early to get that refund, or should most people try to target it for that March-April time frame? I, I think most people would be probably better served to kind of wait till uh, the end of February, beginning of March, and particularly now where they're electronically filing the returns, at that point in time, the refunds, in my mind, for the majority of cases, are very fast. They're in a week or two in the majority of cases. Not that There's not the odd exception where it takes an extended period of time, but I think most people will find that that's um, probably an ideal scenario uh, now, in fairness, if, the, if someone's tax return is pretty straightforward, the beta version of the software is probably more than adequate. We, we tend to find more of the hiccups on, admittedly, perhaps some more complex areas or interprovincial calculations and whatnot that certainly won't be applicable to the majority of taxpayers. Okay. So, George, just probably a, a good question for our listeners. If somebody owned an investment property in 2015 and they sold it, and let's say they made a profit, um, you know, now they have to declare some form of capital gains. Is that going to go on their individual tax return if it was just an individually owned property? Or does that, ha- you know, when, when, when do they pay that? When should have they paid that? And how do they show it? In the majority of cases, someone that personally owns the real estate, uh, they will definitively record that on their, in this example, 2015 personal tax return. The the, the hesitation or the uh, um, little uneasiness there I had in the answer is with respect to your question of when should they pay that. So all things being equal, it's probably due on April 30th. However, if, for example, the individual had more investment income in prior years, they may have been requested to pay tax installments, in which case if this now, through selling the property in 2015, triggers that additional income and they haven't already made the required installments, perhaps they were supposed to have paid a portion effectively of that uh, tax a little bit sooner, not the end of the world, there'll be a little bit of interest charged, but technically speaking, um, those installments still may be required, depending on what that individual's tax return looked like in prior years. Okay. So, George, um, just a quick question for you. A email that our listeners could reach you at, or a phone number, perhaps? Yeah. Sure. So, uh, most people will probably find the email uh, works best, but I'll certainly give both. Uh, email is gdubee, D-U-B-E at bdo.ca, and a phone number, so toll-free number, 888-236-5482. Okay. So, George, you know, you know, good question, though, for, for obviously investors is the fact that, you know, if you're selling it and you're, you are, you know, taking a profit from it, they need to know when to pay their taxes on things like this because eventually it will catch up to them. I'm pretty sure that the CRA 
we'll look at it and say they deem it a profit. If you don't file it, you know, if you don't, if you don't declare it, then that that makes it a little bit difficult. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that uh, my producer Ian Grant just made a note of is that uh, April 30th this year is a Saturday. So does that mean that all the tax filing has to be done on the Saturday, or should it be done on the Monday? So, so here's where um, Revenue Canada is actually more than reasonable in my mind, in that they would then allow, in the case where the a deadline falls on a weekend or in some cases a statutory holiday, they will allow the filing and the taxes owing for the, essentially the next Monday in this example. Okay, or, or the next business day, actually. Uh, that, that is correct, sorry. Yes, yeah, that's a better way of phrasing it. Okay. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've just so with the Saturday, um, it I've pushes just... it to Monday, but depending when in, in the year it is, just as you said, the, the next business day. Sure. I've just never heard anybody saying that Revenue Canada was reasonable. And I, I, that, that's where I was picking my jaw off the ground. Sorry, George. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we have to give credit where it's due because sure. we're, we're perhaps a little bit uh, uh, quick in the sense of noticing all the problems, but um, and we'll not give credit where it's due. Uh, fair enough. Listen, George, I really appreciate you coming on today. We, uh, we appreciate you joining us here at Simply Real Estate Always. And, um, you know, hopefully in the near future, we're going to be able to have you come on and take some calls with us. So thanks so much and all the best for 2016. Thank you. And same to yourself and the listeners. And look forward to uh, being back uh, a little bit later this year. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Folks, that was George Duby, and he is from BDO. Um, great accountant, uh, great uh, great advice here, and always nice to have him on as a guest. So what do you think? 2016, is it going to line up for you? Are you going to make the big move? Well, hopefully you, uh, you got most of the information on the show today. You know, always focusing on buyers, of course, making sure you have everything lined up. It's so very important. And, you know, interest rates will be interesting this year. I think we will see a little bit of fluctuation, but I still believe that they're going to stay down. Volumes in sales, I think, are going to stay pretty consistent. I don't see we're going to see a huge increase in condominiums. If anything, I think we're going to see a fairly flat market. And, of course, I think that the Toronto market, some of those select areas are still going to remain hot because people just want to live there. And it makes a lot of sense to pick a neighborhood you want to live in because you're going to make it a home. So is this the time of year that you should be thinking about investment real estate? I think you should. And if you want, go to thesimpleinvestor.com. Find out how you can own investment real estate completely hands off. You do absolutely nothing but own the property. Let it do what it's supposed to do. Let real estate pay for real estate. And this is one of the things about our program. And hey, if you want to reach me, you can always reach me at the office at 905-812-2524. You know, I'm always happy to sit down with people and have a discussion about real estate. And if we're looking at 2016 as being the time for you to become a real estate investor, you know what? Interest rates are going to be still good. We've got great opportunities coming our way. So again, 2016 could be a wonderful year for you and your family. Remember, creating generational wealth is never a bad thing. So for all of us here at Simply Real Estate with News Talk 1010, welcome to 2016. It's going to be a fabulous year. I'm Todd C. Slater, your host, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining me today.